Yeah, that was his. All right, Gary. Um, hey, Matt, how are you? Wait, is, is this your first dual stream live cast on LinkedIn uh, happening at the same time on my feed and your feed? If that's what, how the team set it up, I'm pretty pumped up and I'm going to start using this more often. You, well, if it isn't I, I, the first, I, I, let's just say it is the first. Well, listen, if I, if I could think of anybody who would be my first, that you'd be the number one on that list, Mr. Higgins. I'm, I'm, I'm honored, sir. How you doing, Gary? I'm really well. I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying the wartime general stuff. You know, Looking at the cost of bananas in the LA office is invigorating. You know, I think, you know, I'm, you know this more than anybody on earth. I'm a big fan of top line revenue growth, building machine, building machine, and then having the skills to navigate when you have to, uh, when you have to be forced to look at different scenarios. And then of course, like any business, when you start looking at everything, you start looking at everything and right. you come up with new ideas and things of that nature. Plus I enjoy the hunting uh, on the Vayner media side of like, there's so much new business opportunity. So I'm drowning between, you know, projects that I want to do that, you know, create content to help people through COVID as Gary B or some of the stuff you and I are working on or um, that stuff. Um, you know, Ben at Pinterest has an incredible app, you know, how we are and like, there's just like, like a lot of projects, but 99% right now zoned in till midnight on uh, VaynerX. Um, and I'm enjoying it, to be honest with you. Obviously, I'm like, Matt, yeah. So let's just set some context for the two of the two of two of us, right? We've known each other since uh, you know 2009, that first uh, uh, cup of coffee in a bagel store, when uh, I had the honor of becoming your first client, right? With four Jets tickets, I got you on the cheap, which I'll, I'll brag about for the it's rest true. of my life. You made me that guy in sports who gets uh, social media. Thank you very much for my career. <laughs> Good news, Matt Higgins. You 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 know you navigating 9/11 with the mayor. You you PR savant. You're uh, you, you made your career, but. I definitely feel great about, you definitely, listen, you took the meeting and, and, and I had other meetings. You recognized what I was talking about, a great skill of yours, so I love you on Shark Tank, is recognizing um, talent. And I, I was saying what I was saying to other people during that time. You just understood that I was right. Well, let's talk about this. I've been thinking about this the last few days, right? So even our first meeting in that bagel shop, this is 2009. And you were talking about how, and this is early days of Twitter and whatnot, that there's a future in which everyone is going to be CBS and NBC and Viacom and Comcast all you know, in their own phone or, or whatever, however we're going to do it, right? And that, therefore, the future belongs to the content creators. This is 09. And I remember watching you know, over those years, including myself sometimes, the eye rolling of like, what the hell is Gary doing? And he's out there. He's doing all this stuff. Fast forward in the era of COVID. I feel like everything you've ever prognosticated about is coming to fruition. So like, one of the things I want to start talking to you about is, is um, the idea that everyone is captive at the same time watching social media, scrolling through Instagram, going through LinkedIn. If you're a you know, small business and you're out there and you're trying to figure out what to do next, where does content creation kind of fit, in, fit into the universe? Be, uh, number two, being able to financially get through it. And number two is content creation. Like literally right. if you're a small business owner, is, you know, is the subsidies gonna save you? Are you are you okay? Are your employees okay? Like, can you get through this? Literally, the second you decide, okay, I'm getting my my employees paid for for two and a half months. Um, you know, I'm gonna be back. I've got some savings. It is what it is. It's a family business. I I, I can get through this. The second you decide that, it's content. And what about all the people out there? I know Devil's Advocate. The people saying that I I, I no one's gonna listen to me. I got nothing to say. 
and I got nobody listening to what do I have to say. So I'm not Gary Vee. I'm not Matt Higgins on Shark Tank. So where, you know, how am I going to break through the noise? If you're a small business owner, owner, you have a lot to say because you've actually lived it. You know, you definitely have something to say. Like, how did you start your business? Storytelling. How did it go? What, how, how, were you good at firing? Were you bad at firing? Uh, are you good at seeing market trends? Or are you not? Do you make the best burger in the world? Don't you? You know, how'd you stumble into being a law firm? Why? You know, you didn't love it, then you loved it. Like, it's storytelling. It's the ability to articulate a message. You know, I've always been good at it as a human. You're incredible at it, um, both on the PR side, you know, and um, as a human. Other people are not as good at it. So maybe their content is just beautiful photos. Like you just take beautiful photos of vintage curtains and that's what captivates on Pinterest and Instagram. Everybody can, everybody does communicate, thus they can. Some are better on video, some are better in written word, some are better in a lot of different ways. But I, I really do think that the reality of the situation is when you say no for yourself before anybody else does, you've already lost. And, I, and yeah. I, a lot of people are wildly insecure. You know, we all, you know, you and I know each other so well, our chips on our shoulders, whether it's education, circumstance, you know, upbringing by mother, you know, we have, we have, we have mothers we adored who had different circumstances. Like if there's a million things that go into it, but, but your story and my story is a story everybody has, even if they, by the way, even if it was a privileged story, I'm watching people out there now who are starting to get it, my fan base, so I analyze it, where I don't demonize privilege. I'm like, look, privilege has some shortcomings. Same way, yeah. You know, but I don't demonize it. Like, my kids didn't pick that they were my kids. You well, know? I, always said, I always said that too. I was like, wow, look, I, I, I'm grateful that I am where I am. And, uh, and, and I think I was able to extract everything from my crazy, terrible, you know, upbringing. But I wouldn't wish that upon myself. I mean, it doesn't make any to, to to romanticize the struggle doesn't make sense. To go ahead and optimize it, it's a difference by by saying the die is never cast and that it's not about where you started but where you end up. That is true. That's different That's than saying real. I'm going to demonize somebody who had a little bit better than I am. More power to people, and I I believe that very strongly. I think it's just as unsophisticated to demonize somebody who started on what you perceive to be third base as it is for that person to condemn condemn somebody who didn't. I feel very righteous about that because my I, kids I, grew up in a different environment. I'm, and I'm, I'm with you. By the way, for and I think it depends on one's DNA. There are people who absolutely were, thank God, better off starting on third base because they don't have the stomach or that romance of the dirt. And you know this. You always make fun of me of romanticizing like the dirt. Like I like it. And for me, it would have been really tough to be my child. Yeah. I mean it. You know why? Tell me more. I don't. I don't. I, you know, because I like the dirt. I, I, I really like it. I love underdogs. Like I'm not, I don't watch, I'm not the sportsman that's on TV, but I'll always root for the underdog. It's you in the love, You like the big reveal too. You still like the big reveal. Well, you know, I love that. That's, <laughs> that's what we're all here for. Matt, let's, let's, because I know we're kind of jointly here. Are, are you seeing questions, Matt, by the way? Or, uh, uh, no, I'm not. That's all on you. You can do the questions. I have some ones that came in advance if you want, but. Uh, let's, let's I, do the advance. So, but I'm going to ask you a quick question. Please, uh, go for it. Because I think it's a powerful one. You were, you were right there. You were. Remind me. You were. What was your role with Rudy during 9/11? I was uh, the mayor's press secretary on 9/11. So standing right at the site within a There's, you know few minutes of the first uh, plane attack. Especially all of us that are in the New York, New Jersey tri-state area. There's so many 
feelings right now about this. Very different, but no question. I mean, forget about processing and trying to communicate. As a human, there's like, oh, okay, this is like a big thing that changes things and feels things and has, you know, post uh, impact because of it. You know, uh, I, I think I heard Fauci say yesterday, no Americans shouldn't shake hands ever again. And I'm like, uh oh. Yeah. I'm like, I, I kiss you on the cheek, Matt. Yeah, like, that's like, over, Gary. That is that's over. All right, if you want to save not, me, not with me. Unless they, you know, they they can put me in jail if they want to demonize it. I'm kissing you right on your fucking face the first time I see you after this. Um, but you know, any learnings from that? Have you deployed? Have you gone back into the bag there? You're sitting on top of so many businesses. You're helping these CEOs and entrepreneurs. We're sitting having meetings. Like, any thoughts there? I mean, look, a few a few thoughts and uh, and and some some good, some bad. I'd say mostly bad, to be honest with you, in terms of how this has unfolded in the beginning. Number one rule of crisis management is you need to show up. Showing up is half the battle and you need to be present. You don't need to sugarcoat, but you need to forecast how bad things might get. And I think that's been kind of missing from leadership at the beginning, with a few exceptions like, like uh, Cuomo. And what I mean by that is, I remember within the first few hours of the attack, our number one priority actually, aside from dealing with the, with the immediate aftermath, was to let New Yorkers and the country know that we were still standing. And while we are obviously wounded and we are reeling, we are, you know, we are here and we are holding ourselves accountable. And I remember I was standing next to the mayor at the time and he was asked, Mayor, um, do you know how many casualties? And he had said, we don't, but we know it'll be more than any of us can bear. And I just remember thinking like that, that, that is the right way to level with people that this is going to be the situation. What I think has gone wrong, unfortunately, from the beginning of this crisis is kind of an unwillingness to learn what was happening to others and sort of assume it might not happen here and project forward about what might transpire. I think government doesn't have to have all the answers, but it has to ask the right questions and it has to skate to where the puck is going. You know, from the beginning, Czechoslovakia was adopting face masks based upon years of studies that face masks maybe not gonna protect you, but gonna protect somebody else. And that we were gonna probably need ventilators and therefore you have to implement the, what's called the Defense Production Act where government can direct industry to make those things. So yep. I would say overall, the first phase of this, we have been caught flat footed. Now I believe we're catching up and I think you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. The second thing that's really been hard from this crisis, I have a photo on my desk from say, it was like October 12, 2001 and I'm standing in Times Square. And why are we in Times Square? Because we're sending a message to America that the, the patriotic duty, you want to help out right now, shop, go to a restaurant, go to a Broadway play because these businesses are dying. There hasn't been a lot for us to do individually to help. And I found that, honestly, I, I'm heartbroken. Like, I want to get the hell out of this house and I want to go run to the burning building or I want to go to a hospital, I want to donate. And yet I'm being told I got to protect myself, my kids and society at large by making sure I bring down, you know, the r not. And, and social distancing. Physically, so I think, physically right? Yeah, physically. I, mean, like, so I, like, I don't know how you feel, but I'm struggling with the desire to run out. Honestly, I think innovation, you know, very personally, innovation. Um, I bought an ungodly, so I, I'm, I, you know, back to 2009, I'm very good at seeing chess moves. So I said, okay, you know, shit, masks are, like, I, I put out a tweet, I wanna buy some masks and donate them. And what I realized very quickly was, okay, all these entrepreneurs have a crazy markup on N95s right now, and I could buy them in China for 80 cents instead of four bucks right now, right? But the China stuff is gonna take a week or two, and there's a lot of damage that's about to get done, so I'm gonna pay the VIG on getting this to a hospital in New York, New Jersey, which I did a bunch of right now, mm. on strategy, even though like my entrepreneur's is like, wait, I could buy the same thing in three weeks for 80 cents? I'm like, yes, but the value is gonna be greater right now because I know every entrepreneur and institution is gonna bring it. So there was virtual stuff. 
I've been buy, you know, I bought a bunch of gift certificates from restaurants uh, of you know acquaintances or things I admire just to put dollars into the bucket. Um, that that got a little, you know. Then you adjust, right? You know, all of a sudden the government comes in and is looking at under 500 businesses. I'm thinking a lot about, you know, first of all my own operation, but I'm thinking about businesses. I think the businesses that have 501 employees to 2,000 employees are in a very vulnerable spot. You know, I agree. Biggest... Ironically, ironically, the government support actually was very effective at propping up a certain element of business. But you know, a business with six, seven hundred people, where are they at? There's no details yet on loans and whatnot. Right, and mm-hmm. and the biggest companies are going to be taken care of. You know, and the under 500. But you're going to have this, you know, dead middle. So I've been trying to be thoughtful about what's going to happen there. Um, so to your point, strategy. Though I've not felt helpless because I bought gift certificates to restaurants when I first thought that was important. I overpaid masks for when that was important. There's yeah. virtual stuff that people can do. What we're doing right now, right? Like, listen. Right, and that's going by the way. That, by the way, what you and I have going on in our worlds right now, this right. 30 minutes, it's, it, you know, hopefully it helps one person right. and that's doing a nice thing and people can do that who are watching now for their communities of six people that watch. Let's talk about that for a minute though. You and I philosophize about it. if you're a business owner, right? And your business is reeling and you're trying to orient yourself What's some of your philosophy about, and I could share mine too, about what I've been talking about, you know, on LinkedIn and whatnot, but what, what's some of your philosophy? What's by the way, by the way, by the way, you've been, I've been commenting a lot because I'm so proud of you because, you know, I've been pushing you for years on LinkedIn. You're a great writer, bro. Bro, you're a great writer. Thank you. I used to be a reporter. That's how I started. And then that skill went dormant until about four weeks ago. (laughs) You know, it feels good good for me. It makes it feels good to connect with people and kind of get my thoughts out of my head. They've been penned what, out for a long time. What's unusual with you is, you know, well, not unusual. I'm sure there's many other people like this. What's I'm incapable of writing, but a great verbal communicator. You're really strong verbal communicator, but I think you might just be a great writer. No, yeah, I love writing. I really do. I was, uh, I've got all these awards behind me from when I was a kid, but, uh, but I, I've been, I've been I, one of my strong principles, and I've been asking this of our portfolio, you and I have had this conversation that I think a lot of business owners ask the wrong question reflexively. They say to themselves, how can I get my business open as soon as humanly possible? Almost like our Independence Day, like we will rebuild. And I think the right question that we should all be asking out there is not how do I get my business open as quick as possible? If I were starting my business today, what business would I build? And, uh, and I, I think- this, that's, Keep going. No, and I was gonna say that it's a sequence that you go through. Number one, Challenge all your assumptions because they're probably outdated as of uh, about four weeks ago, right? All your assumptions by which your business was built. Two, audit the way your business was going and say, I bet you there was a there was a side ancillary revenue stream that turns out should have been the main event. And in fact, it might be more warranted even now than ever before. Focus on that. And three, ask yourself, was I really happy with how things were going? Was I happy with how it was structured? Was I happy how I was living my life? Was I happy with what I'm oriented? Because there's an opportunity here to hit a reset personally and professionally. So I've just been offering that we should kind of go through a decision matrix we, before we just rush to rebuild. You'll appreciate this because you'll ask about this personally with me later at a different time today, tomorrow, another day. But we just had uh, one of our departments was going through their PL, you know, going through it. We're, yeah. we're, you know, we've got this lost revenue. We think that these are the right decisions. Uh, to do, whether it's OPEX, whether it's headcount, here's what we're anticipating might happen based on what we have, based on the clients we have. And they had all these decisions. I said, look, I want to see all these decisions on what we're cutting cost-wise, not based on these assumptions, based on who we want to be on January 1st, 2021. Because, and that's literally, that's what, you know, it's four minutes late. You're like, where are you? You know, know, like literally um, that, uh, that is what I was doing 31 minutes ago. 
Okay. And, 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 and I go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, you want to do some questions? I got because we don't have that much time. So let's, okay. let's go. Right, Andrew fast. P. Well, uh, Gary, what are your suggestions for someone like myself who's recently laid off because of the crisis there in social media marketing? What should they do? Build up your virtual resume. This is not about making your LinkedIn resume look good. This is about putting out your smartest thoughts in a LinkedIn post and on Facebook and YouTube so that people see your thoughts and that gives you leverage to getting hired. People think a resume is on a piece of paper. Your resume today is the content you put out with your smartest thoughts. I love that. I got a question, and I'll take this one first. Uh, Andre Bouchard, what are your views on striking the balance between forging ahead and new ideas and not appearing or sounding optimistic? I I actually, I I love that question. Let me tell you something, everybody out there. We have an obligation to not only deal with the crisis and be sensitive, you have an obligation to be optimistic and to forge ahead. Does nobody any good to be ashamed and shy about how are you going to feed people? How are you going to employ people? How are you going to get your business going up again? So there's way too much sort of shaming or guilting about people being optimistic and positive. Like if you cross the line, Matt, you're a little transactional, I'm going to cut you some slack because you're trying to get the economy going again. And optimism isn't selling either. Like, like, like I've been uncomfortably optimistic for the last three weeks. I'm not selling anything. Right. I'm not worried about the globe. I mean, I'm worried about the global economy. I do want to get it going, but like optimism is probably the single most practical trait of a leader, CEO, and entrepreneur. It's actually the most practical. Yeah, I agree. Question, I'll give you this one. Uh, Joseph John Morris, what business opportunities would be primed for opening or starting when this is over? We should talk about this for a little bit, but what what do you got? So I'm very good, even though I get credit for seeing things, in 2009, I had watched three years of social media behavior to be firm. That's why I ended up being so right. I'm. I don't have, I have a funny answer to this. I'm, you know, listen, we're talking business now. Let's just take a step back if anybody's confused by the energy. I've, I'm petrified for any lost life and like, like all that stuff. But, you know, in the terms of business, I'm incredibly uh, excited to see what opportunities happen based on what people are doing. Like I want to see the inner, the DTC numbers for the first 60 days, 100 days. You know, like one year. I think I, for me, the observations of the bit, I'm gonna give an answer on that six months after normality, not here guessing. Because I mean, literally, if people don't shake hands, like uh, Perel, uh, like, you know, like video conferencing, you know, like, or is it the other way? You know, a lot of assumptions of like, nobody wants to, now we've learned how to do this. Humans are animals that want to be next to each other. So like what, you know, what, Matt, what if, I'll give you the answer. What if they say, okay, we're good with masks, but for another six months, no, no gatherings larger than a hundred. Immediately my mind goes into, hmm, what kind of groups can I have with 90 people there? <laughs> that, because, because people do miss that. Like, can I do a music festival called 99? And that's the whole joke. Like, like you know, like, I, I, I think you have to see what the rules are well, right I now. Think I, right, and I think you could also audit your life right now and audit your own behaviors and then extrapolate. So what do I mean by that? I never was doing Zoom calls before. I was also one of those annoying people who was sort of anti-work from home. I'm being honest about it. I just thought people are more productive me when too, they're in the same room. Me too, I'm both. Now I'm never going to the office again. You're never going to see me again. I'm never going on an airplane again. I'm not going to a conference anymore, by the way. I'm going to do it all remotely. <laughs> like Because a new efficiency has been unlocked that I can't unsee. I cannot forget you and I doing this meeting right now. Hey, this kind of works. Like, 100%. why am I going to miss my kids? So I, I'm wondering in one of those- Matt, you and, and by the way, our closest, I'll give you a great comp. Let's just use you and I. You and I struggle to spend as much time as we want to together, but I have a funny feeling 
art every three weeks, 7 p.m. to 7.30 Friday night Zoom before we kind of transition or whatever we decide. Whatever we do, right. By the way, Monday morning, 8 to 8.30 every three, like two weeks Zoom. Oh, it's it, the cat's out of the bag. Well, and also as a business owner, don't you see the efficiency now saying, wait, why am I traveling across the country to pitch? If we both, we should hold on to this logic, right? As a society, yes. we should we should lower the bar to transacting together and communicate to eliminate all the waste Matt, of Matt, time, personal Matt, energy, Matt, airplane. Matt, COVID could be the greatest impact on our environment that nobody saw coming. Yeah. I mean, you know, I for sure am enjoying more. I mean, yesterday, one of the biggest CMOs in the world We've done business, her and I have done business together for a long time. We're, we're continuing to build our relationship. She sees my mom's curtains. I see her apartment. We feel closer to each other already. Yeah. It's, it's a big deal. Well, There's also so the other thing, I'm sure you feel this way too. I have my, I feel like I got my schedule back a little bit. Like I'm having more offense now than defense and I could actually use different parts of my brain that I haven't been able to unlock. Not that we need to permanently stay this way, but I'd like to hold on to some elements of this that have been unlocked. I'll give you a couple of Matt, predictions. I, I, I'll, okay. I'll give you, I'll give it and then your predictions and we'll wrap up. You know how I'm doing that? I'm going to be working from home one day a week when we go back and having my most important meetings on Zoom and Google Hangout and uh, StreamYard. By the way, I want to do the, why don't we pick Friday? I mean, it's a logical thing. I'll work from Friday at home as you do. We'll start a movement because I don't, I don't want to go back to the way things were. It doesn't make sense. It's actually not logical. No, you, it would be not taking done. advantage. Right. I want to take advantage. So a few thoughts I have. Number one, um, having been in government for all these years, the regulations that had to be changed very quickly to accommodate telemedicine and everything, look at all the areas where regulations were changed very quickly. Scan those they will never go back to the way they were before. That is absolutely number one. So telemedicine, which is a great thing, is here to stay. Governments also, when their revenue gets hit, they become much more optimistic than ever before. So THC will, you know, any, anyone that was resistant to that legislation, it's gonna change. Another last what thing. That, what is that, what is that? I'm saying marijuana, any kind of marijuana, oh, and CBD regulations, yeah. CBD regulations oh, are gonna yeah. change very quickly. Gambling, gambling. Yeah, gambling will be everywhere. It's just the way life is. People, the governments compromise their social morals when, they, when they're in trouble. Um, also, e-commerce. Prior to COVID, only 12.5% of all uh, transactions were actually online. 12.5%. Yeah. So I don't know who these people were that were uh, holding out. They're not holding out anymore. So and, directly and by the way, even, even people yeah. that were buying everything on Amazon are now adding items that they used to go to their favorite store on. And now they're like, oh, bananas to my house? Oh, soap to my house? Whatever it might be. Right, exactly. Well, let's wrap up. I want a special message to you, Gary, and to everybody out there is a happy Passover that we need to take time to, by the way, and not, we need, we need boundaries and remember <laughs> that we're in a holiday. God bless everybody. Yep. And uh, just be safe out there and, you know, cut yourself some slack. That's the most important thing. Give yourself a break. And happy pre-Easter for everybody on Sunday to round out almost the rest of the crew. And, uh, and most of all, go on the offense. It's easy to get caught up in defense during this time. This is pure offense. Matt and I, with our business together, Vayner, have defense and we have unbelievable offense mentality. He with all his other companies. Uh, there's so much offense for you. And even if you have a restaurant and it's down right now is tell the stories, cook the meatballs in your in your house that your grandma taught you. That one video may capture the hearts of your neighborhood. And when you reopen, you're up 20%. There's so, learn how to do direct, uh, you know, seamless or, or, or Uber Eats. There's just so much opportunity. Uh, barber shops, I gave him a piece, I got a great email, Matt, yesterday. A barber shop, can't do anything. I was like, put your items on Shopify and start selling them. Literally, literally. Best advice you always gave, Gary, when you taught at Harvard, I teach at, you know, a class at Harvard and Gary came up and taught. Best single piece of advice, told the entire class. You want a piece of advice? Be a practitioner. And what does that mean? Go on eBay and sell something. Like, 
the, 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 even me doing all this content, which I love doing, think about how much I've learned now about LinkedIn tactics that I can now teach other people. There's no shame in being a practitioner. When somebody rolls your eyes and say, why is the CEO doing whatever doing? Don't you worry about that. <laughs> like, I see, I, show, show me a CEO that she or he is getting their hands dirty and I'll show you somebody that I'm betting against. I'm get, betting on, 100%. I agree. Why don't we Matt, leave with that? You, See you on offense. I love you, man. All right, I take care, Gary. See you later. Great job, man. Bye.